Today on Ag News Daily. We pass over the weeds. We pour the herbicide onto the weed and it doesn't spray. So this only puts the herbicide onto the leaves. Fresh Graze is an automated moving fence system and grassland management system. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, and we're going to be talking to some Irish tech companies later in the podcast that I got to gather while I was in Ireland last week. But before that, Mike, what do you say? What's going on with you today? You're heading to Indianapolis? Indianapolis, that is right. Working with a group of lenders tomorrow, so I'm getting excited about that. Always enjoy working with the people who work with the people who work with the agricultural goods. So uh, that'll be fun. I'm excited to sort of take their temperature. These are lenders from all across the country. You know, you got the High Plains, you got cattle country, we got the Southeast is going to be represented, of course, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So hopefully tomorrow I'll be able to share some insight into what uh, the financial conditions are looking like across the country. Yeah, maybe you can get us an interesting interview lined up, Mike. What do you think? I will certainly try. Well, if we hear any background noise, it's because you're sitting in the Chicago airport, right, Mike? That's right. I'm in O'Hare, Delaney. But despite the travel, I'm always, of course, committed to keeping up with agricultural news, as I know you are. Yes, I am. Mike, the first thing I want to kick it off with here today is a little bit of news about the farmer assistance package. I've got kind of two pieces of news about that. The first is um, the WTO is planning to review trade aid today and the administration on the administration's assistance package because people from Australia, Canada, the EU, India, Japan and New Zealand apparently have questions about how this will work if it creates unfair competition in the marketplace. Um, And so questions could include how long will the assistance be available How did the USDA develop the formula? And how will payments affect prices and production? So the WTO is going to be meeting on that today. I don't think that they're, it's not necessarily a bad thing that they're meeting. They just have a lot of questions. And then the second piece of that is our good friend Chad Ingalls sent us a message on Twitter yesterday and said that for the market facilitation program for hogs specifically, it seems like it's been changed a little bit. He said a producer can now pick a date between July 15th and August 15th rather than the designated August 1st when you have the greatest inventory and sign up that way. Huh, but it's on hogs marketed throughout 2018, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure. I think we need to have Chad on and maybe give a little clarity on that. The way that I understand it from what he's saying is you get to pick a month, pick a date in there um, when your inventory was the greatest and you get compensated $8 a head on that inventory. Oh, that's not nearly as good a deal as it sounded initially. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a little confused. Because, I mean, you're going to be selling hogs year-round, if you're only getting paid for one turn, that kind of sucks. Right. I think we need to have him on or an FSA or somebody really who just knows what's going on with that that can uh, give us a little more information on it. But it sounds like maybe not as good of a deal as we originally thought it might be. Okay. Well, folks, remember, this money's out there. You know, however it is, they're dispersing it. Go get yours, Mm -hmm. you know. Might as well. Can't hurt. And, you know, I think it's interesting, that WTO thing you mentioned, Delaney, that. Yeah, it sounds like it's a pretty neutral deal now, but I wonder, what is the administration going to do if the WTO says, 
this is an unfair, you know, subsidy. Right. I I can't imagine President Trump is going to stop it. He's not a huge fan of the WTO to begin with. I wonder if this is, mm. you know, phase one in removing ourselves or in, you know, reevaluating the WTO. It'll certainly yeah. be interesting to see. It certainly will, Mike. Well, I've got some news going south of the equator, down under, sort of, but not to Australia. Going down to Argentina, they have had some big news today. Their uh, central bank chief, the head of the Argentinian central bank, resigned today. It was very much a surprise. He's only been on the job three months, and he kind of threw up his hands and said, I'm done. His, his reason, as most of these political resignations are, uh, were family, wanted to spend more time with his family, which is what they always say. But it just sounds like nothing the central bank has done has has been able to curb the inflation that they're seeing down there. And in fact, the inflation has gotten so bad that today several of Argentina's largest unions have shut everything down. They're doing a day of protest. They've shut down public transportation. They've shut down most of the shops that are unionized. And most importantly for agriculture, they've closed all the ports today. Hmm. Um, so far, it is just a 24-hour closure. That's uh, what the union said. They're doing it to just sort of make the government pay attention. They want, I guess, higher wages to compensate for the increased inflation. But if Argentina is really in trouble and they can't do anything, could this be a sign of the times to come? Are we going to see, you know, the port of Rosario, which is a huge exporter of uh, soybean products, bean meal and bean oil, yeah, are we going to see them shut down? And what would that do for American or, or at least North American soybean demand? I think it would be pretty darn strong. That's interesting. I wonder if that's had an impact on today's bean markets because I've been watching it a little bit and we've been, you know, not significantly higher on the day, but definitely some strength. Yeah, it, it, I think the key is, does this strike come back? If they're honest about it just being a 24-hour strike, you know, that's not the end of the world. I imagine the exporters can, you know, shuffle some stuff around for 24 hours. But if it drags on or if they come back in a week and say, yeah, we're going on strike for a month until you give us a raise, then I think we'll definitely see the market respond. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're right there. Well, let's see, Mike. In other news, we've got a little bit of WOTUS news for Iowa producers the U.S. District Court of North Dakota added Iowa to the list of 12 states that do not need to implement the 2015 Waters of the U.S. rule. That was uh, back in 2015, August of 2015. The court issued a preliminary injunction, and Iowa is now officially added to that list, as well as Texas. They were granted an injunction last week, or I'm sorry, the U.S. District Court in Texas granted an injunction last week for Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas. So we've got quite a few states that are trying to get around it. Yeah, it looks like we're now up to 28 states yeah. that are mm -hmm. exempt from having to enforce WOTUS. But Delaney, I saw this article as well, and I, we don't know why these states were added, do we? It just looks like the so. court was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, it doesn't sure, Well, whatever. It doesn't give any reasoning. I don't, I mean, I'm sure if you went back and read the, uh, court's verdict, maybe it would say, but that legal jargon stuff, yeah. I'm not sure I'd understand it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just very bizarre. But I, I would say certainly good news for Iowa producers. It gives us time to not have to start kowtowing to the, uh, EPA right away on WOTUS, which is, you know, definitely good news. Yes. 
Well, I've got a little bit of news here. This is coming from Kansas City. Yesterday, there was a large meeting of soybean exporters uh, mm. got together in in uh, Kansas City, and a lot of them were talking about how, hey, you know, it's the, the trend that we've talked about on the show quite a bit. China's demand for bean meal, as their hog herd is the largest in the world, is going to stay fairly strong. There was a guy from Purdue who made that argument, and there was a uh, – Another guy from a different exporting company whose name I don't have at hand uh, made that same argument. And then there was a guy by the name of Muyan Khoi, and he is one of the chief soybean importers with um, Yehai Kelly, or excuse me, Yehai Kerry, and uh, they're they're one of the largest bean importers into China. And they, he said that China is embarking on a multi-pronged plan mm-hmm. to reduce forever their reliance on United States soybeans. They're going to cut uh, hog feed from 20% bean meal down to 12. They're also working on, of course, as we've talked about, adding their own bean production there along the border with Russia and perhaps working with Africa. And he said this is something that the Chinese are fairly committed to, and they're going to be able to survive without American beans, especially if those, this trade war goes on for longer than a year. I feel like I've heard somebody else talking about this multi-pronged plan, or maybe we've talked about it on the podcast before, Mike. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. Well, you know, it's something that China's definitely mentioned before, and they've Mm -hmm. brought it up in several different, you know, uh, contexts. But I think this is the first time we've heard it iterated on our shores, on the shores of America. And then, of course, a lot of the other panelists went back and said, look, that was a political comment. You know, just because he is part of a grain importer in China doesn't mean he's an independent actor. You know, this guy is essentially employed by the Chinese government. He's going to make their talking points. And, you know, that was the pushback that this guy got after making his statement. Because at the end of the day, reducing the amount of bean meal in pigs' rations is going to cost money. Mm -hmm. It's going to require the Chinese hog feeder to you know, reformulate their diets and figure out what they can do to replace that, you know, 8% of bean meal and mm, just just something to watch, something to think about. Trade wars typically have long-lasting implications. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe this is an idea of what China's could be. Yeah, absolutely they do, Mike. Well, I don't have a good segue, um, but looking at some future technology since today is Tech Tuesday, I saw this really interesting article about the world's first floating dairy farm that will house 40 cows and also be hurricane resistant. So a Dutch what? company, yeah, a Dutch company, um, Beladen, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, they're opening the world's first floating dairy farm in the Netherlands. So it's going to be located near Rotterdam. It will house 40 cows in a high-tech facility on water, and it's also going to be hurricane-resistant. The company said they're also interested in launching a floating chicken farm and floating vertical greenhouses. Um, but it's it's really cool. I'll share share the article on Facebook and Twitter, on our Facebook and Twitter, at Ag News Daily. But the picture is neat. So the first level is kind of like got equipment in it. It's got processing facilities. And then the second level has um, – I guess trees or I don't know, not nature, but like an outside environment, a mock outside environment for the cows. And then there's also a level for processing or uh, dairy milking. It's really neat. 
it sounds phenomenally cool. It also sounds phenomenally expensive in mm-hmm. a tight margin environment. I, I, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what comes of this. It sounds like it was a crazy person's idea. I, I mean, <laughs> I, maybe. What's the reasoning? They're out of land, so they got to put it out yeah. on the ocean? Yeah, they said part of it is land. Um, I think that's a big part of it, to be honest with you. Guessing no neighbors, you know, right. if you don't have to worry about smell, probably yeah. as much. Um, but the, you uh, still the guy, they're going to be boating the, the manure back to the land? I don't know that they know that part yet. The guy that invented it said he came up with the idea after a business trip to New York City in 2012, and Hurricane Sandy had just hit the city in Manhattan and knocking out power for residents. So I guess his thought is more so to be able to make sure that they have fresh produce and milk and whatnot. I guess more so for the consumers um, who would be affected by, you know, natural disasters and having issues of getting products in and out of those areas. Interesting. I'm Mm going to call shenanigans on that origination story. I guarantee this guy came up with a floating dairy farm idea, not after a trip to New York, but after a trip to Amsterdam, Delaney. That's my thought. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I got it. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he also went to Denver. And that's where he came up You're with this funny. idea. Okay. It's, I know. I know. Anyway, mm. so that is cool. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Definitely post that on our Facebook mm-hmm. or our Twitter feed so folks can give us their thoughts. Listeners, what do you think? I can't imagine this working, but I'd love to be proved wrong. Uh, find us at Ag News Daily, both on Facebook and on Twitter, Delaney. And, and mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I'm kind of out of news. Okay. The only other piece of news I had before we hop over into the markets is kind of a, a cool new I guess you could call it technology, sticking with the technology theme here, but New Energy Blue is a company that is founding a new facility in North Dakota called New Energy Spirit Biomass Refinery. And what they're doing basically is taking waste, agricultural waste, including wheat straw and a bunch of other stuff, and turning it into the lowest carbon auto fuel which they're going to be selling to California. So they're projecting to turn about mm. 280,000 tons of this wheat straw into 16 million gallons per year and then shipping it over to California. Sure. Get that premium in California mm-hmm. by selling the cellulosic biofuel over there. Great idea. Yeah. They can make Just, it work. I've never, I've never heard it being made out of wheat straw before. Yeah. You know, I think that's because it really got its start here. And, you know, we've got a heck of a lot more corn stocks mm-hmm. than we do wheat straw, but whatever works will work, yeah. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Delaney, what do you say? Why don't you kick us over to the market? I would love to. And, of course, our markets are sponsored by our friends at the Zaner Group. Give them a call at 312-277-0050 and see how their strategies can help you during these turbulent market times. Let's kick it off, though, with today's markets. Looking here first at the corn pits, a December corn contract trading up three and a quarter cent. To end the day at 363 and a three quarters, while the March contract up three and a quarter cent to end at 375 and three quarters. In the Novi soybean pits, up four and three quarters cent at 845 and three quarters, while the January traded up four and a half cents to close at 859 and three quarters. In the Chicago wheat pits, losing today down six and a quarter cent at 520 and three quarters, while the March down six cents to close at 539 and a half. Hopping over into the livestock pits, the October live cattle contract in the green 17 and a half cents to close at 112.35 and a half, while the December put on 20 cents to close at 117.20.
in the September feeder pits, up 17.5 cents to close at 156.62.5, while the October put on 17.5 cents to close at 156.47.5. And some continued strength here in the lean hog market with the October contract putting on $1.42.5 at 62.45, while the December put on 77.5 cents at 57.75. And rounding out the day with the dairy market. September Class 3 up a penny to close at 16.14, while the October down 10 cents to end at 15.89. Now let's kick it over here to hear two interesting Tech Tuesday interviews brought to you from Ireland. I'm catching up with Patrick Walsh, who is a representative here from Dead Duck. Patrick, tell me a little bit about Dead Duck. Uh, Dead Duck um, is, is a machine that we've invented that can see where the weeds are in pasture. And this way, when it sees the weeds, we can apply the herbicide to the weeds only and not put herbicide onto the uh, grass or onto the clover crop, which is quite valuable. And this restricts the amount of herbicide that gets back into our food chain. Thus, it's very healthy for, for the cows not to be ingested herbicides. And the herbicide then just applied to the weeds, and we can put a large amount onto the weeds to make sure that the weeds are gone for good, to kill the weeds, the roots and all. How does dead dock or how does the equipment that you're using find those specific weeds? Uh, it, it uses a, a, an image processing technology and it's like face recognition technology for weeds. So as we go around the fields the machine can see where all the weeds are and as we pass over the weeds we pour the herbicide onto the weed and it doesn't spray and usually spray allows the herbicide to become airborne and it gets into our streams and our rivers and whatnot and kill our bees. So this only puts the herbicide onto the leaf and it's very environmentally friendly and it reduces the use of herbicide typically by 95% and it's a huge save because we want to get, get rid of herbicides but first thing is to reduce the herbicides as much as we can is our first step. Our second step will be hopefully getting rid of the herbicide altogether for a more environmentally friendly planet for all of us. What are oh, what, in Ireland? What are the overall thoughts about using herbicides in in livestock or in agro, agronomic or agronomy related industries? Well, uh, there's a lot of um, legislation coming down the road, especially EU laws, and they want to get rid of herbicides altogether and get rid of chemicals that we are eventually ingesting ourselves and in our system and there's pressure coming on the agricultural sector to stop from using herbicides. The thing is the farmers have to use the herbicides to kill the weeds or it'll take over their crops and there's nothing in between. There's no middle ground where they can have a device or a machine that can kill the weeds without, killing, without using herbicides. So our goal is to eventually build a machine they can find a different technology. Our first part of the technology is finding the weeds, isolating the weeds, and treating the weeds. Now, our second phase now, our future um, development will be getting rid of the weeds without having to use the chemicals. So it's incremental steps, incremental baby steps, long baby steps. So it's years of work that it takes to get this far, and it'll be more years of work to get us further and more research and more development. Yeah, let's talk about some of that work. So you said it's taken you years to get to this point to develop this technology. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I started on working was that well, um, I was a farmer myself and I went back to college. And I got uh, a degree in electronic engineering. And I discovered this problem at home. I say we have grass and we have weeds. And the weeds only take up 2 or 3% of the fields. So what do we do? We go out and we spray the entire field. And that doesn't make any sense to anybody. So I thought there has to be some way 
we can tell a machine that the weeds are in a certain part of the field and it'll only to put the herbicide in a certain part of the field. So when I finished with that, I um, tried to get the... Well, I knew how the electronic side of it worked, but the medical imaging and the, the, how the computer worked, uh, how it could see the, machine, the weeds, I, I went back to college and I did a few modules and computer vision and machine vision. So then I could figure out how you can find weeds in pasture and then bring that home and fill the machine that finds where the weeds are and puts the herbicide only onto the weeds and solves the problem that I had at home. And if I can solve the problem I have at home, I can solve the problem for these guys all the other farmers. So that's more or less how we've gone along our little journey and getting this far. That's really awesome. Very neat. Um, when you look at the weeds that Dead Dock fights in particular, are there a certain type of weeds that yeah, it approaches? Yeah, I, and, and probably hence our name. The biggest painful weeds that, we, that the dairy farmers have is the dock. And, and Mother Nature has designed them well. He falls and flaps out and he kills everything all around him because he's a very large leaf. And this large leaf kills all the grass so there's no grass for the cows and the cows come out to pasture so the biggest pain when we decide then how we're going to tackle this we're going to keep it nice and neat narrow for ourselves and we're going to target one weed and one particular industry within the farmer and that was dairy farmers and the biggest problem weeds they had was these docks and the dock takes over all the ground and he's quite well established fruits typical dock could have planted up to 80,000 seeds and these seeds can last almost a century in the ground before they get germinated again and they have a very um, strong root so if you use um, some other methods of burning off the weeds or pulling them the root is still in the ground and he'll grow back up again so our problem was to find a systemic herbicide to use the systemic herbicide to kill the weeds but you use a systemic herbicide on grass, it'll, re it'll stunt the grass growth because it kills the grass as weed. So this is another part of the solution was just to target the weeds and not to kiss anything else. So we, we our, uh, to answer that, like we wanted to go to an area, one Pacific area, and that was the dairy farmers with one Pacific weeds, and that was the dock. And that's where we got our, our actual name from, the dead dock which sort of, you know, <laughs> explains it's like, you know, really easy to people. We kill the duck. Get us to your farm, we get rid of your ducks. Yeah, let's talk about that. How does the dead duck system work? Do I hire you to come to my farm and well, spray? What we're doing is, you heard of SAS, you know, software as a service. What we're going to have is we're going to have mass. It's machinery as a service. And what we're going to do for the farmers is we're going to go, go we'll supply them with the machine, an operator, and the herbicide. And we go to their farm, we treat their area on their farm that needs treatment, and we take care of all the paperwork. Here in Europe, we have lots of paperwork <laughs> and EU regulations, and they govern everything. A farmer goes and buys herbicide. He has to mark it down and all the markings on the label, and he has to record an inventory of how much he used, and some guy can come along on his farm and inspect to make sure he's doing all the paperwork. So we're taking all that off the farmer's hands. We're going to bring the herbicide ourselves. We'll... Do, the, do all this paperwork, we'll apply the herbicide to the weeds for him, we treat his weeds, we make sure there's no weeds in his pasture. He's happy, we're happy, and hopefully all the environmentalists will be a little bit happier. Are you uh, focusing primarily on Ireland, or do you have operations across Europe? Oh, well, we, to, to get our foothold, because we're, we're a startup. We're, we will be working in Ireland alone, but I have already been contacted by contractors in Germany 
and I've also been contacted by a farmer not from Mongolia. Wow, so <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite a stretch. So yeah, it, looks, it sounds like there's a lot of market share maybe to be captured here. Yeah, uh, there, there, there is a huge appetite that we, we found from the, the farmers already because the, the, the chemicals they buy up, the chemical companies, are really, really expensive. They can cost up to 40 euro an acre. And if we can reduce that 40 euro an acre by 95%, that's a huge saving, especially because um, the dairy farmers in Ireland, which is probably tiny globally, they're still farming one and a quarter million acres. So that's a huge saving. And that's important chemical, and that's chemical that's going into the food chain and going everywhere else. And, you know, if that can be avoided, then I think it's, you know, it's a good thing. Patrick, if people have questions or want to learn more information about Dead Duck, do you have a website that they could head yeah, to? Yeah, of course we have. Uh, our website is www.deaddoc.com. That's D-E-A-D-D-O-C-K.com. Great. Thank, thank you. you so much. And thank you very much. <laughs> Pleasure. I'm catching up with James Drums, one of the co-founders of Fresh Graze. James, tell me a little bit about Fresh Graze. So Fresh Graze is an automated moving fence system and grassland management system. So essentially it is two robots, either side of a fence, that move an electric fence at a slow pace that ensures all the grass is fully grazed and that the cows don't walk or trample on the fresh grass. How did this idea come to be? So myself and my brother had been out moving fences for a good while and one of the days we came in wet and late for football training so on the way to training, we, uh, we were like, why, why couldn't we get a robot to do this? Why couldn't we automate this like everything else in the world? And from there, we kind of brainstormed ideas and came up with the idea of Fresh Graze. And what steps did you have to go through to make this idea into a reality? So we've been at this for three years, prototyping R&D. And so we've many prototypes at home. We've a bit like Dyson, keep on trying to perfect it, change each uh, prototype, work on mistakes, find out what works, what doesn't work. And so for a, a herd, are you doing this primarily for dairy herd or could it be used in um, just regular feedlot or pasture grazed operations? So this is application in grassland farms worldwide, so beef, dairy or goats. Awesome, that's, that's very neat. Um, as far as the product rolling out, is it available for commercial retail yet? Uh, at the moment, no. We plan to trial it next year and then we plan to go to market uh, at Ploughing 2019. Will this product be available only in Ireland? Uh, we plan to roll out in Ireland to start off and see how it takes off in the market here and then after that we will be looking at other uh, international markets, US, New Zealand, South Africa, Brazil, all the major grassland farmers worldwide. Let's talk a little bit about how it actually works. So how do I set up a system like this on my operation? So we will go into your farm, we will map out each field, and I, we've set a the system runs on pre-existing high tensile wires, and we put our own insulators on t onto it each post. So it's about two days set up. And then once it's set up, do I control it with my phone? How does the automation work? So it runs via cloud-based software. 
so we have we are developing an app and it you can run it on the web as well so you can sit in your armchair at home and look at your fence moving and see how much grass your cows are leaving behind you can speed it up if the cows aren't getting enough grass or slow it down if they're not eating all the grass as far as the application goes do would I, as a farmer, need to know approximately how many acres or hectares of grass a day that they needed, or is that something that you would also help implement on the farm? So what we actually get the farmer to do is look at how much grass is being left behind. So it's all about the residual grass. So it doesn't matter how much grass is in there in the first place, it's all about how much grass is being left behind. So the optimal grazing height grass we left at is about seven centimeters or depending on what type of grass it is so the farmer themselves would know that but also we will offer uh, grassland management support for those who do want it or need it. I assume there's probably some sort of data or information also being collected through this operation. So this is an IoT device as well so uh, everything is up in the cloud for the farmer to be able to see and we also, so we hope to be able to link the product to, to the bulk tank to see how much milk you're producing off each square meter and then so the farmer is knowing the productions just from square meterage rather than guessing it off his dry matter or KPIs. Your primary focus was originally for dairy operations to chart how much grass per acre or grass per hectare they were getting um, in return for the milk production. Yeah, we started off uh, looking at dairy, but as we started to develop it, we realized there's so much more applications out there and that it's a worldwide application for, it can work for uh, robotic milkers, traditional parlor-based, organic farmers, just any anybody who is on grass, this works perfectly for. And you said you'll be rolling this out for commercial availability at next year's 2019 National Sawing Championship? Yeah, we hope so anyway. Where can uh, listeners go if they have more questions or want to find out more about Fresh Graze for themselves? So www.freshgraze.ie or info at freshgraze.ie. James, thank you so much. Thank you too. Well, Mike, those are two very interesting, very different, but very interesting ag tech companies in Ireland. I think the Fresh Graze one really especially has, actually both of them, Dead Duck and Fresh Graze, both have maybe the potential to come in the U.S. I mean, if Dead Duck instead of, uh, you know, focusing on the dock plant focused on Palmer Amaranth or water hemp or something like that, I think that would have huge potential and really cut down on things like volatilization. That's such an issue right now. Absolutely. And then, you know, you, you talk about fresh graze. You know, we were just up with Jeff Ryan there at Two Guys Farming. Yeah. That's what he does is he's out right. there moving his electric fence to keep that rotational grazing scheme going. Heck, if it could move itself, shoot, I'd get into rotational grazing. Right. I know. I mean, just think if you had one of those systems and you were using it here in the U.S., I mean, I don't know. I think huge market share, especially out in the northern plains, the panhandle areas. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, even in Iowa. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Delaney, nice job talking to those Thank companies. You.
And if listeners want to follow up, if they've got suggestions for ag companies we should be talking to, where should they go to find us? Absolutely. They can head to agnewsdaily.com. We've got all our past episodes on there as well as a contact us form. You can also find us or contact us on social media by searching for at Ag News Daily. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. 